Chapter twenty seven of The Sword of Damocles by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lone Watcher. Hark to the hurried question of despair, Where is my child? And Echo answers, Where? Byron. Colonel Jaffer recovered from his shock, but was never the same man again. All that was genial, affectionate, and confiding in his nature had been turned, as by a lightning stroke, to all that was hard, bitter, and suspicious. He would not allow the name of Jacqueline to be spoken in his presence. He would listen to no allusion made to those days when she was the care and perplexity, but also the light and pleasure of the house. Men are not like women, my child. When they turn, it is at an angle. The whole direction of their nature changes. Perhaps the news that presently came to us from Boston may have had something to do with this. It was surely dreadful enough. Jacqueline's perfidy had slain her lover. Mr. Robert Holt, the cultured, noble, high-souled gentleman, had been found lying dead on the floor of his room a few days after the events I have just related with a lady's diamond ring in his hand, and the remnants of a hastily burned letter in the grate before him. He had burst a blood vessel, and had expired instantly. This sudden and tragic ending of a man of energy and will was also the reason, perhaps, why Grotewell never arrived at the truth of Jacqueline's history. Boston was a long way from here in those days, and the story of her lover's death was not generally known, while the fact of her elopement was. Consequently, she was supposed to have fled with the man who had been seen to visit her most frequently, a report which neither the colonel nor myself had the courage to deny. My child, you have a brow like snow, and a cheek like roses. You know little of life's sorrows, and little of life's sins. To you the skies are blue, the woods vernal, the air balmy. The sad looks upon men's and women's faces tell but shallow tales of the ceaseless grinding of grief in their pent-up souls. But you are gentle, and you have an imagination that goes beyond your experience. Perhaps if you pause and think, you can understand what a tale could be told of the weeks and months and years that now followed, without hint or whisper of the fate of her who had gone out from amongst us with the brand of her father's curse upon her brow. At first we hoped, yes, he hoped, I could see it in his eyes when there came a sudden ring at the bell, that some sign of her penitence or some proof of her existence would come to relieve the torture of our fears, if not the shame of our memories. But the door that closed upon her on that fatal eve had shut without an echo. While we vainly waited, time had ample leisure to carve the furrows of age as well as of suffering on the colonel's once smooth brow, and to change my daily vigil into a custom of despair rather than of hope. Time had also leisure to rob us of much of our worldly goods, and to make our continued living in this grand old house 
an act that involved constant care and the closest economy that we were enabled to preserve appearances to the day that beheld the colonel laid low by the final stroke of his dread disease was only due to the secret charity of a certain gentleman who declaring he was indebted to us secretly supplied me with means of support but of all this you care little you had rather hear about the evening watch with its hopeful assurance yet another day and she will be here to be followed so soon by the despairing acknowledgement yet another day and she has not come or of those dark hours when the colonel lay blank and white upon his pillow with his eyes fixed on the door which would never open to the beating of a daughter's heart while the grey shadow of an awful resolution deepened upon his immovable face what that resolution was i could not know but i feared it when i saw what a sternness it gave to his eye what a fixedness to his set and implacable lip and when in the waning light of a certain december afternoon the circle of neighbours about his bed gave way to the stiff and forbidding form of mr phelps i felt a thrill of mortal apprehension and only waited to hear the short it shall be done of the lawyer to some slowly whispered command of the colonel to rise from my far-off corner and stand ready to accost mr phelps as he came from the bedside of the dying man what is it i asked rushing up to him as he issued forth into the hall and seizing him by the arm with a woman's unreasoning impetuosity i have nursed his daughter on my knee tell me then what it is he has ordered you to do in this final moment mr phelps for all his ungainly bearing is not a hard-hearted man as you know and he doubtless saw the depth of the misery that made me forget myself giving me a look that was not without its touch of sarcasm he replied the colonel has made me promise to see that a plank is nailed across the front door of this house after his body has been carried out to burial a board across the front door his anger then was implacable the withering curse that had rung in my ears for ten years was to outlive his death with a horrified groan i pressed my hands over my eyes and rushed back my first glimpse of the colonel's face showed me that the end was at hand but that fact only made more imperative my consuming desire to see that curse removed even though it were done with his final breath drawing near his bedside i leaned down and waiting till his eye wandered to my face asked him if there was nothing he wished amended before his strength failed he understood me we had not sat for so long face to face across the chasm of a hideous memory without knowing something of the workings of each other's mind glancing up at his wife's portrait which ever faced him as he lay upon his pillow his mouth grew severe and he essayed to shake his head 
I at once pointed to the portrait. What will you say to her when she meets you on the borders of heaven? I demanded with the courage of despair. She will ask, Where is my child? And what will you reply? The fingers that lay upon the coverlid moved spasmodically. He eyed me with a steady deepening stare, awful to meet, fearful to remember. I went on steadily. She has gone out of this house with your curse. Tell me that if she comes back, she may be greeted with your forgiveness. Still that awful stare, which changed not. I have watched and waited for her every day since her departure, I whispered and shall watch and wait for her every day until i die shall a stranger's love be greater than a father's this time his lips twitched and the grey shadow shifted but it did not rise i had sworn to do it i went on when you lay there at the top of the stairs smitten down by your first shock i told her come sickness come health I should keep a daily vigil at that door of the house which your severity had not closed upon her, and I have kept my word till now, and shall keep it to the end. What will you do for this miserable child, of whose being you are the author? With indescribable anxiety, I paused and watched him, for his lips were moving. Do for her he repeated how awful is the voice of the dying i shivered as i listened but drew near and nearer that i might lose no word that came from his stony lips she will not come gasped he with an effort that raised him up in bed and deepened that horrible stare but who shall say what he might have uttered if death's hand had delayed a single instant but the inexorable shadow fell and he never finished the sentence my child these are frightful things for you to hear god knows i would not assail your pure ears with a tale like this if it were not for the help and sympathy i hope to gain from you sin is a hideous thing the gulf it opens is wide and deep well may it be said to swallow those who trust themselves above its flower-hung brink but we who are human owe something to humanity love stops not because of the gulf love follows the sinner with wilder and more heart-breaking longing the deeper and deeper he sinks into the illimitable darkness Ten years have passed since we laid the colonel away in the burying place of all the jaffers and dutiful to his last request nailed up the front door of his speedily to be forsaken mansion in all that time my watch has remained unbroken in this house which by will he had left to me but which i secretly hold in trust for her the hour of six has found me at my post, sometimes elate with hope, sometimes depressed with repeated disappointments. 
but whether hopeful or sad always trustful that the great god who himself so loved all sinners that he gave the life of his son to rescue them would ultimately grant me the desire of my heart but the decrepitude of age is coming upon me and each morning i leave my bed with growing fear lest my infirmities will increase until they finally overcome my resolution child if this should happen if lying in my bed i should some day hear that she had come back and failing to find the lamp burning and the welcome ready had gone away again but the thought is madness i cannot bear it a sinner lost degraded suffering starving perhaps is wandering this way she is hardened and old in guilt she has drunk the cup of life's passions and found them corrupting poison all that was lovely and pure and good has withdrawn from her she stands alone shut off by her sin like a wild thing in a circle of flame what shall touch this soul the preacher's voice has no charm for her good men's advice is but empty air god's love must be mirrored in human love to strike an eye so unused to looking up where shall she find such love it is all that can rescue her love as great as her sin as boundless as her degradation as persistent as her suffering child i know what you are going to say suddenly exclaimed paula rising up and confronting mrs hamlin with a steady high look of determination in the day of your weakness or illness you want someone to unlock the door and light the lamp you have found her end of chapter twenty seven